You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're again taking some time out of our regular schedule to bring you another in our series of COVID-19 related shows. Today's show is part two of our COVID-19 Q&A with attorney Neil Pedersen of Pedersen Law. On our first Q&A episode with Neil, we answered a number of COVID-19 related questions from both the employer and the employee perspectives. And on today's show, we'll answer a few additional questions and hear Neil's thoughts and insights on how this is all moving forward. It's gonna be a great show. Don't go away, we'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome back to Workplace Perspective, Neil Pedersen. Thank you. It's good to be back. I'm happy to have you back. I'm very excited to Get, get into these Q&As. There's so much has changed even since the last time we talked. It's going to be really interesting. But, of course, before we get started, why don't you just remind everyone who you are and what you do? Okay. Uh, I've been an attorney in California for a little over 30 years. I have a uh, relatively small law firm here in Orange County dedicated to representing employees related to employee rights, meaning discrimination, harassment, retaliation, leave issues, uh, wage and hour issues, uh, and the like. Uh, And uh, in addition, I've been uh, teaching a class at a local law school on employment law for the last eight years, along with a class in law practice management and technology. All right. And just a great all-around guy, got to say. Those (laughs) of you that don't know, Neil is my former law partner. So about three, was it been? 26 since 2016, right? Yeah, it's, it, it's time flies. Yeah, just like yesterday. Just yeah. like yesterday. And look at this whole new world we're in right now. Amazing. It's amazing. Well, we had so many great questions on the last episode that we couldn't get to all of them. And so we decided that we wanted to bring Neil back so we could answer a few more questions about COVID-19 related issues, again, from the employer-employee perspective, as much as we can do that. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Neil has a great question, one that's on everybody's mind right at the moment. So take it away, Neil. Okay. Well, it is, uh, I probably am getting this question asked um, three times, uh, maybe three times a day uh, from various sources uh, because some employers are now starting to open back up, uh, bring their employees back. And so the question that I'm getting is, do I have to go back if I'm still worried about um, the coronavirus and uh, I think it might be too soon to be going back into work with all of my coworkers? And uh, this is, uh, if it isn't on people's mind now, as everybody's employers do start 
um, slowly uh, reopening for business whenever the stay-at-home order is lifted here in California, it's going to be on a lot of people's mind, especially those people who uh, may be in uh, the high-risk category or maybe caretaking somebody in a high-risk category. And then there's the child care issues. So this is just impacting everybody. And I do think it's on everybody's mind. I'm getting a lot of calls myself. And I think it's either you know whether you're whether you're on the business side or the employee side and the way people are working from home sometimes you're getting it on you know sort of from both perspectives i know in in my little new work environment i'm getting both perspectives i have you know um my my current office partner looking at being sent back to work um and then also being at a as an employee and then also being on the management side of that and trying to answer some of these issues so even those people who are working um, and looking at bringing them back on the on the business side are also employees struggling with these issues as well. So it's a right. it's really impacting everybody on so many levels. I think it's really important. So, what do you think? Tell us what well, you think let me about start, that. Yeah, let me start with something I said in in the last broadcast. But I think it's important if if somebody wasn't listening to that that they understand that we are in very unique times. The last time that we in the United States have faced something like this was way back in the early 1900s, and there were not a lot of employee privacy laws around back then, medical privacy laws, those types of things. So we are truly in unique times, and there isn't um, established law that we can look to that tells us exactly how courts will determine some of these issues. Uh, and so all we can do now is, is basically talk about what the law presently says. We can talk about how we think the law may develop in certain areas, uh, but there is no certainty, and it's developing day by day. Uh, okay, so that said, the general rule is that if the employer says they want you to work, you got to go to work. Uh, and uh, you're an at-will employee. You work at the will of your employer, which means if they tell you go on leave, you have to go on leave, and if they tell you come back to work, you have to come back to work. So the general rule is is that if they say, okay, we're opening the office up, come back to work, you have to go or face the consequences, which could be uh, termination. You could be laid off or terminated uh, if you don't come back to work when everybody else is coming back to work. However... There are some exceptions to that rule, and uh, you need to figure out whether you fall into that exception. Now, I understand why people would be concerned. Um, I fall into one of the high-risk categories. My wife falls into a couple of the high-risk categories. It would really concern me if I were an employee and I'm called back to go to an office before I, I, I think, based upon what I'm hearing in the news, it would be safe to do so because I don't want to become infected myself or bring the infection into my, the virus into my home um, and, and potentially harm my family. Uh, and I know a number of people, for instance, in my firm, I have two of the different people in the firm are taking care of elderly parents in their home. So it's a legitimate concern that people have. And uh, here's what my answer is. One of the exceptions to the rule is that if you have a medical reason for not returning to work, and that medical reason would be ideally 
shown in a doctor's note that you would bring to your employer saying you have to be able to still work from home or stay on a, a, a period of defined un, uh, unpaid leave. Give that note to your employer, and under the Fair Employment and Housing Act, the employer will have a duty to reasonably accommodate your medical restriction. And you can have restrictions either on yourself or for somebody that you're closely associated with, like a parent or a wife or something of that sort. And that reasonable accommodation has to be extended to you unless doing so would create an undue hardship on the employer. Uh, so um, that's the first step. If you truly are in a, uh, 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 one of the uh, areas where you could be, uh, have a higher risk or somebody you're taking care of has a higher risk and you get that doctor's note, the employer most likely will have to reasonably accommodate you by either allowing you to continue working from home or have you stay on leave for a defined period of time. The other exception is if the employer is requiring you come back to work, but the employer is not doing its job in keeping you safe, you may well have a, 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 an argument that you can stay home uh, and the employer face consequences if they were to then terminate you for doing so. Let me explain. Under current CDC and certain county health departments uh, regulations, employers bringing employees back into the workplace will have to be doing certain things to try to assure that the employees are, uh, are in as safe of a situation as they can be, which means they have to have uh, personal protective equipment, PPE, like masks, gloves. They have to uh, have uh, sanita sanitization rules to make sure surfaces are cleaned and, and you know, uh, the, the doorknobs and the, the, the surfaces, like your keyboards and that, like, and the like. Uh, and social distancing requirements. In other words, you're not going to fit 12 people into a conference room for a meeting. Uh, you're going to have to find other ways still, perhaps by uh, uh, having meetings through uh telephone conferences, even though you're still sitting in the same office. Well, the point is, is that the employer still has to take measures to keep the employee safe. And if they don't take those measures, they are arguably in violation of a couple of labor code provisions that say that the employer is required to uh, provide you with a safe work environment. And if you complain about the fact that you're not being provided a safe work environment and you are retaliated against, there may very well be a potential claim available. For employers out there, what you don't want to do is give the employees that, that argument. You want to do everything that is necessary that you can do reasonably to make sure that the employees remain safe, taking that argument away from the employees. Absent those two what I would call exceptions to the general rule, you're not going to be able to just tell the employer, I don't want to come back because I'm afraid I might get sick. Um, and have protection. But what I say to people then is you still have to do what you think is best for you and your family. Uh, sometimes a job, I would say a job is not worth my wife's physical health. And if I think that going back into a situation would be a real imminent threat to my wife or my elderly parent or something, I would have to make decisions uh, that are best for me and those people as opposed to necessarily uh, what's best for keeping my job. But that's all personal choice at that point. It's not really a legal issue.
Well, and I think it's really interesting, a lot of the things that this brings up. So this idea that was a couple of things as, as you're talking, I'm sort of thinking um, the idea that everybody pivoted so quickly to from working in an office to working remotely, that the one thing that it's done uh, and it's going to be echoing for a long time and it kind of goes to your idea about a reasonable accommodation is the idea that, well, if I've been working remotely and it's been successful because I, I think the general consensus among most of the people that I've talked to is, yeah, the work's getting done. We may be a little bit paranoid about our employees being at home, but hey, the, the goals have been set, the goals have been met, we're working, uh, things are getting done, things are getting accomplished. So it's gonna be a little more difficult to argue that oh, all that was temporary. Um, and now you know things are back to normal and we expect you here. In a, in a situation where someone is saying, as Neil said, you know, doctor's note, I need a reasonable accommodation, that re reasonable accommodation could be unpaid leave, uh, but it could also be working remote, working remotely if you had been, been doing that prior, such as to maybe taking care of elderly parents and you were still able to perform work, then that might be a reasonable accommodation if it's not a, an undue hardship for the employer. I think it's gonna be a bit of a hard, uh, a hard sell at this point. The other thing that I was thinking about is that we talked so much uh, when all this started with a lot of my clients about this, this opportunity uh, that we're having to come together as a, as a country, together as a, as a state, as a community, as a local community, as a business, is to, to build goodwill. So take this opportunity as a business to build goodwill with your employees by extending leave, by being flexible, by pivoting uh, to remote work and putting things in place and not being so mindful, you know, being a little more mindful of a job is not necessarily eight to five. Uh, if it can be done uh, on a different schedule, let's see if it can be done. So being flexible and buying that goodwill, which I think speaks to this issue as well. If employees have been working successfully remotely, then you're really gonna buy some goodwill by continuing to allow that to happen for someone who is maybe afraid. Maybe they're gonna be afraid for the next 30 days, but maybe they won't be afraid after that. Maybe things will have changed enough. So I hate to see a workforce being thrown away um, in essence or, you know, punished in some way uh, because people are fearful or because they have things that are out of their control of the school situation or the elderly care position. So I really think this is an opportunity for businesses to continue to rethink what it means to conduct business, what the workplace of the future is going to look like, and to buy some good, continue to buy goodwill with the employees. So I'm getting a note, I'm getting the signal from Paul. We got to take a break. So we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to answer some more questions. We're going to keep moving through this. So stay with us. We'll be right back. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in 
and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with plaintiff's attorney, Neil Pedersen. Neil, I want to ask you, I've been thinking about this a lot these last couple of weeks as everyone has been talking about returning to work and how's that going to happen? What's it going to look like? And I, I want to ask you, do you feel like the leave that was offered through the federal acts was offered a bit too soon? Or maybe it should have been phased in a little bit? Because as we're looking at this, people have pretty much used up, I would think, a lot of the leave, of the additional leave that was offered through those emergency acts, the emergency FMLA, and uh, well, which yeah, yeah, they used that up, and then the uh, uh, the emergency federal paid sick leave. What do you think? Well, it depends. Uh, if you're talking about the emergency family and medical leave expansion act um, related to having to care with your children at home. Um, that one, uh, that should still be uh, available. In other words, uh, if if you were working for an employer and your kids were sent home from school and you're now uh, homeschooling these children, you were eligible uh, for up to 80 hours of emergency paid sick leave and then an additional 10 weeks of the emergency family and medical leave um if you have to stay home to take care of children, if you have children right. under the age of 18 due to school we've closure. We've been working or, through some of that, though. How many weeks has that been? I have a well, I think we've been days. five or six weeks into it now, at oh, least okay. into the California. Uh, maybe it's a little bit longer because it was toward the end of March that it started. Right, um, right, right. You know, and I think... Uh, at that point in time, that's all that they they didn't know. I mean, what we're seeing now uh, through a lot of uh, different organizations is they made rules uh, when this first started, and now they're expanding, extending things. And it wouldn't surprise me to see some of these uh, these deadlines and these leave numbers extended through government action, uh, the Congress or something, uh, like they did with the like the PPP with for small employers, where they put so much money into there for uh, for small business administration loans, and when that money ran out, they added a lot more money to it. Uh, because they, they need at the time they made these uh, decisions, uh, they didn't know how long it was going to last. But the longer this lasts, I think the, the I'm, I'm looking in a crystal ball right now and thinking that uh, if they see that it's necessary to extend some of these things, they will. And unfortunately, what that means for the employers is that um, you know, the employers may be having to require even more unpaid leave. Um, but, uh, you know, that that's my basic answer there. Uh, the, the bottom line is, is I guess money's eventually going to run out sometime, so they can only extend so much uh, paid leave. But uh, right now they've extended uh, the unemployment insurance benefits where they made it immediately available to people. Uh, they increased the amount available to people by $600 a week, and they increased uh, the number of weeks that you qualify for the unemployment insurance uh, an additional 13 weeks. So for the people who uh, needed to take unpaid leave and turn to unemployment to uh, recover at least some of the money they've lost, that, that should still be uh, in place for some time to go still. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're going to I think at some point they're going to look at some of that and say, yeah, we can I think we can offer a little bit more. But hopefully, you know, with people returning to work, then they're 
that burden that you know the financial burdens uh that sort of came along with those they'll start to um they'll start to be easier uh, as business goes back and people start coming back to work so just an interesting the people like that i'm seeing that I'm sorry. Uh, the the problem I'm seeing is the people, for instance, some of these people right out on the front, front lines, the people that work in hospitals and the like, they don't qualify for some of these uh, right. some of these emergency paid leaves. So I've had several employees of hospitals um, say, but my kid's home, and I've, I've tried to get leave so I could take care of my kid, but my boss is telling me that I don't qualify for that leave. And, and in fact, the... Uh, the Department of Labor issued guidance that basically says that it, it applies to all health care providers, but the guidance has expanded that leave to include not just an employee who's employed by a medical provider, but an entity that contracts with a medical provider or that merely provides supplies to medical providers. Amazing, and that, isn't it? That's a very broad exception to the rule where there are people that are working an uh, ungodly number of hours and still have kids at home that have to be homeschooled and taken care of. So that, that that subset of people are really being burdened right now. Yeah, and it's in tandem, you know, the because the Department of Education is trying to catch up and get up to speed. And, you know, so they, they made it, the governor, uh, yeah, the governor made an exception or, or in one of the orders um, for after-school programs, daycare programs, you know, to get back up and running, for essential workers, the kids and kids of essential workers, but trying to get that up to speed has taken a lot of time, um, so that there's still a gap um, again between this broadening on the on the federal side and the exceptions, and then actually what we're trying to do on a state level to sort of fill that gap and to fill that need. Um, but uh, it's working. I mean, it's people are working on it. I don't know that it's working. Take that back. Right. But I know that you know it's it's in the process, and and everybody's just trying to keep us. We're just running so hard, little duck feet under the water, going like crazy. Okay, so I want to get I want to get another question in, and I'm mm-hmm. getting some signals from Paul, so I want to keep moving. So let's go with one more question, um, and this is kind of along the same lines. Um, let's go with this one. Uh, so this is one of the questions we had. I work in a food warehouse. We have been very busy. My employer wants me to wear a mask the whole time I'm working, but it's difficult to do my job with the mask on my face. It's hard to breathe. It steams up my glasses so I can't see. My boss is forcing me to wear this stupid mask, or can I take it off when I need to? Or can my boss force me to wear this stupid mask, or can I take it off when I need to? Any thoughts about that one? Yes, uh, and this is an answer that most employees don't want to hear. But uh, if the employer you tells you, <laughs> what's that? That's why I'm letting yeah, you say I, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you're an employee, you do what the boss says. Uh, again, I, I mentioned earlier, California, you're considered to be employed at will unless you have an agreement to the contrary about that status with your employer. An at will employer can change the terms and conditions of employment at any time and for any reason and can discipline or terminate an employee for any reason or even no reason at all. If the boss wants you to wear a mask, no matter how inconvenient it is, how difficult it makes it for you to do your job, you have to wear the mask or you face discipline or termination for refusing to do so. 
So the basic answer to that question is yes, the boss can force you to wear the mask. Uh, now, there are good reasons why the boss could be asking you to do so. I know there are a lot of people that are out there arguing about personal freedoms and why do I have to wear a mask. But uh, you know, when in the workplace, the boss gets to have control, but also the boss is is beholding to the rules and regulations and guidelines that are being placed upon him or her as an employer to make the worst place, workplace safe for others. And um, as most of your listeners probably know, the reason for the mask is not necessarily to keep you from getting the virus. It's to make sure that you don't spread the virus through coughs or, or you know, exhale, things like that. Um, and so it's really for the protections of others in the workplace, and the boss is doing it because the CDC and the local county uh, Department of Health is requiring the boss to have these uh, safety measures in place at this time. Yes, that is a, that's the hard and fast answer. And my thoughts on this one went to a couple of different things. One, I think it's really important that people find a trusted source of information. A lot of people are turning to their employers for that trusted information. And I think that's kind of a good thing because, like you said earlier, in order to put people back to work, there are a lot of things that employers are going to have to do. Uh, in order to keep that environment safe. And they're listening to trusted sources like the CDC, World Health Organization, and our local uh, health organizations. So they're, they're going to be a good source of information, but find trusted sources of information. And then I really think that in this case, communication is really key. I think there's a way that you can have this conversation with an employer that builds the relationship. Talk to them about your fears about wearing it, your concerns about wearing it, and maybe there's something you can come up with. Um, maybe that employer, um, I know resources are so scarce at this point, but there might be a way to work through it. Maybe to get a higher quality mask uh, on the job or some, some something else that you can come up with. If nothing else, you're simply making that employer understand what your fears and concerns are, and you can work together to overcome them or at least understand one another instead of staying sort of in your own space and in your own head with that resentment and that fear and letting it damage your relationship with your employer. I think it's a bad way to go. So those are kind of my thoughts with that. Neil, as we wrap up the show today, can you give us top three tips in this environment, maybe some cautionary tales, some words of wisdom, or maybe your thoughts for the future? Well, uh the first thing I would say is that, depending on what side, it, unfortunately, the whole COVID thing is now becoming politicized. And there are sides that people are choosing about, um, uh, do we have to, uh, uh, you know, is this a, a real problem or has it been uh, politicized and made an issue by politicians and the like? All I would say is we have to respect each other's opinions, and, and if you're on the side that thinks this is all a hoax, you still need to respect those people who have a legitimate, at least in their mind, is a legitimate fear of, of for themselves and for their family. And I think that um, just as we would treat political positions in the workplace, we need to treat uh, fears and concerns about this COVID crisis in a similar way and not discount anybody's uh, stated positions 
on this, but work together in that regard. Uh, and I, I have a fear that as we start assimilating people back into the workplace, we're going to see people treating this uh, as a, a way to create dissension or, or controversy as opposed to everybody working together, understanding that uh, there are some people who are going to be more afraid than others about getting back into the workplace. Uh, and I, I would love to see employers understand those employees that have the fear about coming back into the workplace uh, and to uh, address those concerns as legitimate, even if they may not personally feel that they, they or personally feel the same. Uh, secondly, I would like I would simply say that um, whether or not you believe that this um, this that you, this crisis is I'll, I'll say is real or not, um, how you react to the the situation, in other words, refusing to wear a mask or the like. Is going to it's going to send messages to people about your concern about them. In other words, there's a lot of, of talk out there now about uh, you know I want my personal freedoms and I, I don't want to have to wear a mask and the like. But ultimately, those people that have concerns about catching the virus are going to see people that are unwilling to wear a mask or take the steps necessary to demonstrate safe practices. They're going to take that as, as somewhat of a personal affront, as almost an attack as if you were spitting on them or, or uh, something of that sort. Um, we need to understand that while we have personal freedoms, we also have a, a um, we, we, we should have a commitment to each other and our, our coworkers uh, and respect their opinions in that regard and do what we can to not create a situation where we're, that we're putting them in additional fear. Um, I, uh, and I think those are the two things I would say. I have a great deal of concern about as we bring people back into the workplace that there's going to be dissension in the, that regard. I do too. Um, I, I have great concern for that. I think a lot of people do, but I love your words and your thoughts, which is why we got along so well and practiced so long together. Respect, consideration, great thoughts, great words of wisdom as we end the show. And I want to tell you, I really appreciate you coming on again and talking with us and uh, sharing your thoughts with our listeners. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Neil. You bet. I'm happy to come back anytime you'd like. <laughs> I love it. If you want to learn more about Neil or Pedersen Law, you can find them on the web at pedersenlaw.com. That's P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N-L-A-W.com. You can also connect with Neil via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast. I want to also thank our listeners, My Radio Angels, James and the David Knight, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Steve Persoloni. That's our show for today. Until next time, thank you all, and keep raising the bar. Wow.